It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast and this one's a bit special because, or should I say it's more of a bonus podcast because it's not actually me interviewing a filmmaker. The shoe is on the other foot on this one. This is me appearing on John Flannery's um, soundtracking show, talking about some of my favourite bits of music that's been used in film. Uh, so take a listen and uh, hope you enjoy. Thank you. This is Sound Tracking on Real Rebels Radio with John Flannery.
John Flannery is soundtracking. Good afternoon everyone, welcome to the November 2014 edition of Soundtracking. I'm John Flannery, your regular host. I'm, I'm here most of the time, you hear quite enough of me, but uh, I've again today managed to get a great guest to uh, come into the studio and appear on Soundtracking today, so it's a very warm welcome Soundtracking to Stuart Wright. Good afternoon Stuart. Good afternoon John, how are you? I'm, I'm fine, how are you doing? I'm okay now, I've been laid up with a bad knee but I'm okay. Okay, well, um, I've been reading your CV. You've been involved in journalism for many years, different aspects, and we'll have a little chat about that later on. But your film connection is that recently you've moved into the area of screenwriting. That's correct. And you've done some short films. Yeah, I've done short films, and I'm in the process of developing what hopefully will be my first feature film. And we'll talk a little bit about that as the show progresses. Perfect. But uh, most importantly, you have brought in some fantastic soundtrack-related music to mm. play during the show today. Tell us a bit about the first two tracks that we heard there. Quite unusual for the show, quite a quiet, uh, melodic start to the show, particularly the second track. So uh, what did you play for us there? Um, it was um, Chang and Short, uh, Cliff Martin, by Cliff Martinez, off the soundtrack of Only God Forgives, and Ritz Ottoliani, uh, sorry, uh, Cannibal Holocaust theme from the film Cannibal Holocaust. Didn't know at the time when we were organising the playlist because I've obviously read around a bit so I could talk a bit about the music. Um, Ritz also uh, appeared on Cliff Martinez' soundtrack for the film Drive. So interestingly, the first two tracks are actually a connection between the two as working composers. I love that, and it's something that you often discover when you're doing research mm. like this, that everybody's kind of interconnected. A kind of a film and TV equivalent of the uh, uh, musical equivalent of the uh, Kevin Bacon thing. So lots more tracks come during the show this afternoon, and we've got another great set of uh, three that we're going to play. We will talk to you about screenwriting, okay. about music journalism. You, you've had quite a varied career so far, Stuart, so it'll be interesting to talk about one or two of the things. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Let's, let's, let's cover all the bases. Okay, let's go then with... With the next set of tracks, which includes another track from Only God Forgives, a Cliff Martinus track to begin the next set. ไม่ลืมความฝันเมื่อครั้งก่อนนี้อีกเดือนกี่ปีฉันก็ไม่ลืมขอเพียงแต่เธออย่าเพลิง
ก่อนส่วนฉันแน่นอนไม่เคยจะลืมยังจำรสหวานอันสุสานใจไม่เคยแมงหน่ายเปลี่ยนใจลงลื่นตื่นเตือนเพียงนี้หรือพี่จะลืมเ
You're listening to Sound Tracking with John Flannery on Real Rebels Radio. Soundtracking on realrebelsradio.com. I'm John Flannery, the November 2014 edition of the show. Special guest today, Stuart Wright. Three very good tracks there, Stuart. Would you like to uh, take us through those? Yeah, yeah, and three very different reasons for choosing them. Um, the first one, again, a Cliff Martinez one, but uh, sung entirely in Thai. And uh, one of the reasons that I do listen to a lot of soundtrack stuff is when I'm writing, it doesn't put you off. Mm. I, it's just music, not singing. Yeah. And um, singing in Thai, I don't understand the bloody word. So in a way, the language is just part of the melody of the song, and it just kind of it could be an instrument for all I care. Which is kind of the inverse. I once interviewed a band called Kings of Convenience, a Norwegian band, and they sing in English. And they said the exact opposite. I said, you know, why sing in English as opposed to Norwegian? And they said, it's just another instrument for them, right? To sing in English. So. Right. It's kind of like my ears are doing the inverse of that, I suppose. And then uh, we had Spoiled by Sebado, which is from Sebado 3 originally, and I, I, it's an album I played intensely for, uh, for since it came out. And then when I was in America for the very first time in '95, it appeared on the very end of Larry Clark's film Kids. And, I mean, the film itself spoiled my first trip to New York. I was, I was at a friend's place in Rochester, New York, after doing a children's camp. And um, we're watching this film, and it's about a base load of feral kids in New York who just right. don't respect anybody. Uh, it's kind of like um, if Generation X had a crack addiction, Ooh. is the kind of kids we're talking right. about. They have no respect for anything except getting high, getting with sex. And it's about a character that's basically got HIV, and he's going around shagging anything he can. With that in mind, the film is just a horrible descent into a horrible conclusion to that story. And then this song kicks in just as the credits roll. And it sort of displaced the song that I loved anyway mm. and gave it a whole new meaning when it was put into that. 
So, yeah, that's the whole thing about listening to music in different circumstances. Oh, without so a doubt, yeah. music gets mm. picked up, and you wonder sometimes yeah. what's the reasoning behind a particular track or a particular group I mean, being picked up on the film. W- even weirder as a connection is that the guy I was with, who I, who I became friends with, a guy called Don Cohen, who I was friends with from the very first day we arrived at the camp. Yeah. So he's an American guy, I'm an English guy, so we, you know, we, we bonded over the fact that he had Sebado 03 in his collection with him, Whoa. which is kind of weird as yeah. a part of the conclusion of my stay there. Uh, the third track was uh, Mary's Birthday Surprise, which is by David Hess. It's from Last House on the Left, a rather ugly film. I mean, part of an important three, I suppose, in terms of the evolution of modern horror. You've got George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, you've got Last House on the Left, and then you've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre the year mm-hmm. later. Um, Last House on the Left, technically speaking, is not the best film in the world, but it is, it is ugly, so therefore, in terms of exploitation, fair, it, it sort of um, does the job. That's Wes Craven's director's yeah, yeah, so debut as well. Indeed. So you go on another decade look <coughs> at what he's producing. Yeah, then he's doing Night, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. But the music itself, by David Hess, which is kind of a weird... He's a weird character because he, you know, he, he became an, an actor who people recognise from kind of genre cinema. Um, sadly died not long since. And what's weird is that he was lumped in with kind of the Sun Studio a lot, like with Elvis right. Presley and stuff. And I've got a German import album of a collection of his music. And he recorded the first version of Living Doll before um, before Cliff Richard did it, which wow. is a weird yeah. thing to, for me to have learned. And now the people listening know. Amazing when you go through the back history of these com- uh, composers oh, and doubt. musicians, what they've actually yeah, done yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and where they've actually come to. Yeah. Um, you started out originally as a music journalist some years ago. Stuart. I did, yes, yes, back in 97. Yeah, what was your experience then? What, what were you doing? What magazines were you writing for? Uh, well, I started off writing for a magazine called Flux in Manchester, and then when I came to London, I started writing for Days of Confused, uh, Rock Sound magazine, which is just more straight reviews, and bits and bats for Channel 4's website and things. Did odds of other things, but nothing regularly for anywhere else. Um, I, I mean, to honest with you, I always coupled it with a kind of, in inverted commas, real job. Mm. So I worked as a communication manager yeah. in central government, as well as, as well as being a music journalist. I don't quite know when I slept when I was in London, when I first moved. You're a busy man then, twenty four seven on the. Not, uh, I mean, not 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 in the not in the not in the Happy Mondays twenty four hour party people sense, but yeah, I'd used to go go to work and then come home at two three in the morning and go to work. It's kind right. of I'd be going out a lot. Weekends was where I'd go to sleep. Right, you, you'd, you'd go out Monday to Thursday. Any particular gig or any uh, anything from that particular period as a music journalist that stands out for you? I mean, uh, did you well, there's two. Of... Well, there's, there's there's definitely there's there's definitely three or four. Um, when I first came to London, I wasn't drinking. I'd had about three years off it, not because I was addicted or anything like that, but I got a bit poorly through something else, and the only way to get better was to let me live and get better, and that meant not drinking. So when I came to London, I, I wasn't, uh, in 99, I wasn't drinking for a couple of years or so. Yeah. And towards the end of 2000, I think it was, a band called Gathered by Voices played at Highbury Islington. And um, I think I actually got drunk drinking, drinking Shandy that night. It was a fantastic <laughs> evening. Um, but... It was also around that time I got taken to see a band called Turbo Negro for the first time, uh, which was amazing, a Norwegian band who most of the people I know now <laughs> all seem to love. It's kind of evolved of right. a, group, a group of friends who have been in London that all love Turbo Negro. Um, seeing the darkness when that was evolving, that was interesting. Um, but I guess one of the, the most significant gigs is I went to see a band called Tokyo Dragons and I ended up managing them. So I guess... That's got to be pretty significant. That's quite 
quite amazing because that's something else then that you're able to take on another experience as a band manager. How, how long were you managing uh, that group? It was a few years. Um, we we um, I think we, on the on the on the strength of what was happening with the darkness, I convinced the editor at Flux Magazine to let us do a piece on them because they were unsigned at the time. And then, if I remember rightly, and I'm sure Steve will correct me, the singer in the band as, as was then. Um, it was about a year between that happening and, and, and us working together. He just kind of kept in touch via text. So I went to see them play at the 100 Club, sort of 12 months after covering a magazine. And um, on the way home, after a couple of shandies, we, I was with a friend and we said we could manage them. And I was like, OK. And so we approached them and we did. And we did OK. I mean, the band didn't make it as, in terms of hits and long career and everything. But, you know, we got them signed to Island Records. We got... Yeah. Got we got to record an album at Rockfield Studios. Yeah, we then got dropped before the album came out. The album came out on a Swedish label. That Swedish label then sent the band to Seattle to record a second album with Kurt Block, who's a big hero of the band. So good things happened. I mean, although financially, artistically, it all worked out great. Financially, not as great. So uh, another little interesting diversion on mm. your career path. We'll play some more music. We're going to rock a bit now. Quite happy, really.
This is Soundtracking on Real Rebels Radio with John Flannery. Thank you. 
这个宽泛，内在身变宽泛，提三怪，等花到梦发怪，美满在这宽。Soundtracking on realrebelsradio.com, your local global 24-7 station based in Stoke Newington. I'm John Flannery, and today on the show I've got special guest Stuart Wright. Another brilliant set of three tracks there, Stuart, ranging from rock down to something very gentle at the end. So. I was going to say, I mean, I, 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 wish I, I wish I could say I planned that, that segue of talking about Tokyo Dragons, and then the first track we play in the next segue is Aerosmith. Um, it kind of fitted quite nicely. Um, Aerosmith, I picked that because... That's on the soundtrack for Dazed and Confused, Richard Linklater's 94 movie, which, weirdly, in terms of... I love, I love my horror films, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is arguably my favourite film of ever, like, you know, genre or whatever. But um, Dazed and Confused is, is, is equally there. I can watch Dazed and Confused until I'm blue in the face, I think. It's, um, it's a really beautiful film, and, and that sweet emotion really evokes something at the start of the movie as you're kind of being introduced in this kind of montage to all the different people that you're going to play with during the duration of the film. 
Um, and then we had Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovefox, which, which is the kind of opening sequence, again, it's another opening sequence, actually, um, for the film Drive. And I remember when I first saw the movie at the pictures and when Ryan Gosling flicks the switch and it's in time with the beat of the tune, it was kind of like, right, I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride, Stuart. This film's going to be fantastic. And it was. Um, but I think, but I didn't know till till looking into it for this for this show that who who's, who did that song because it isn't a, although it's a Cliff Martinez score that song is just a song he's chosen or a song he's he's he's, he's commissioned by a French artist called Kavinsky who's sort of in the realm of I guess Daft Punk and stuff. Yes, um, I've read up in these uh, kind of a house DJ who does a bit of electronica. There's a bit of a retro field some of this material as well. I'm, I'm, we're talking off air. I'm certainly going to check out. But it's, but it's also really it is like that it. tune is actually co-produced by one of Daft Punk, right? Um, and Love Fox is the singer for CSS. Who, if anybody doesn't know them, check out the song "Let's Make Love to right. Death from Above," which is a fantastic pop which tune. Which I will be doing when I get home later on. That's, that's a really good track, though. I've got to say, Stuart, fantastic yeah. stuff. And uh, we have a nice gentle finish. To yeah, set. yeah, yeah. Another "Only God Forgives" tune. Um, um, I should have probably said at the outset that, that, that this whole program was biased towards a Cliff Martinez and B. Only God Forgives. I think it's it, it's because it's one of those films that's very quickly become established as a as as as, as a Marmite type film. Um, I think Drive doesn't really separate opinion as much. Um, everybody seems to like Drive, and I think having watched Drive and expecting to get Drive Two, you'd be very disappointed with Only God Forgives. If you, for example, had watched Valhalla Rising by Nicholas Wine and Refin, and then watched Only God Forgives, I don't think you'd be as disappointed because you'd understand more about the type of filmmaker he is. But I do think that Cliff Martinez adds so much to what he does. And well, what's the basic premise of Only God Forgives? Because, uh, I mean, I certainly haven't seen it yet, but I intend to. Um, the basic premise is it's, um, it's, it's about a pathetically avenging brother for the death of his brother. Right. So that's the gist of it. But in, 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 in it's, it's a very subverted film in terms of what normal genre expectations. Because... The brother he's avenging raped and killed a teenage girl and was killed by the father of the teenage girl. And when he comes to take the life of the father, the character played by Ryan Gosling, who's doing the avenging, um, lets him off when he understands that what his brother had done. And then we're introduced to Christian Scott Thomas, who plays their mother. Her performance is just astounding. It is just, she plays this absolute evil bitch. And, and the other thing to say is that everyone's gangsters. This isn't about sort of good versus evil. Yeah, yeah. This is that they're drug dealers who run a Thai boxing club. Yeah. Um, and then you have this cop who's after them, and the cop, in terms of thematically and, and, and stuff, is, is God in the Only God Forgives sort of title, I think. Um, but it's a wonderful film, and it's, it, it, it's, it's not an obvious film, and, and people who don't like it say it's boring and it, it's pretentious and so on and so forth. But I say more of that, please. That's great. We're going to have a bit more music in a minute. Another really uh, great set of three tracks. Very quickly, though, Stuart, you do work for Britflix.com at the moment. Yes, I present and host their podcast. Uh, well, something I, I, I used to write for them a lot more than I do now. Although I do, I did. I, for, I covered Fright Fest this year as I did last year, and uh, I watched and reviewed forty-two of the sixty-five films that played at Fright Fest. So. I think that's some work. <coughs> that is some amount of hours taken up uh, doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was kind of a bit of a bit of a kind of a, a, a bit of a choke of, um, of 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 a workload. But every week I do a podcast for Britflix.com, and we interview British filmmakers, 
and um, it's a, it's always a lesson for me because I'm you know I'm a person that hasn't made a feature film yet, so I speak to these people often who are making their first or second feature films, and uh, you're learning lessons from them, and hopefully that's what the audience get from listening to it. Have you been impressed in particular by any director or? Uh, group of directors, producers that you've spoken to. In the well, producers year. more, producer more so. Um, I was lucky enough to get to know Jen Handoff, who's an American but based in, um, in in London, and her work in sort of genre and and low budget filmmaking is is really to be appreciated and should be explored. You know, her film her film from last year, The Borderlands, was a real excellent piece. Um, I mean, a great. A great, great story about um, the idea that there's a there's a team of people working for the Vatican who go to places that claim there's been a miracle, right? To, and basically, they go to disprove it okay. because if you can if you can prove there's a miracle, then Catholics from around the world will flock, right? So they don't want that to be happening in a fake way because it would it would lighten the magic and mystique of said church. But obviously, it being a horror film, it's not God; it's something much more dark. Oh, that sounds good. It's great. It's a great yeah, film. And this year at Friday Fest, she, was, she produced a film called The Forgotten, which, was, which did very well as well. Fantastic stuff. How do you see the state of the British, uh, particularly independent uh, British cinema at the moment? Because that's basically what Ritflix is trying to support. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's, not, it's not so much I see it. It just, it just is like this. Making a film is, is, relatively speaking, easy. Getting a film seen is blooming hard. That's, yeah. that's the state of the industry. We had, we had a world not long ago, say 30 years, where we still had what you would call vertical integration. So the filmmakers in Britain, film studios in Britain, sorry, had ownership of the cinemas of Britain. Mm. And during the 80s, there was various things that the government did that uh, bent that, that position weakened. And now our cinemas are owned by Hollywood studios. Right. So our films are essentially competition for those. So if you're trying to get into a cinema, it's very hard. Doesn't mean it can't be done, but it just just means that you you know there there is I mean and and add to that over the last ten years the kind of introduction of online and faster broadband. Yeah, you've got piracy on the one hand, but also you've got different ways of being able to watch home entertainment. And plus, TVs are getting bigger. People are people are buying digital projectors. So the 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 home experience has changed from you know your. 20-inch TV that used to be the main television and going to the cinema. So we're in a we're in a very what do you I mean businesses usually go through paradigm shifts, you know. So they you yeah. know we have this established model, we shift it goes to that established model. We're in complete disruption now. People keep coming up with new ideas and they they fly for a bit and then somebody else comes up with another new idea, which is interesting because we'll uh, talk about your work as a scriptwriter and making short films and uh, moving on now to feature length. Uh, films a little bit later on but we've got some great more music coming up another set of three starting with another Riz Ortolani track I believe indeed
was all right Trying to break out of the ghetto was a day-to-day fight Being down so long, getting up didn't cross my mind But I knew there was a better way of life And I was just trying to find You don't know what you do till you put on a pressure Cross 110th Street is a hell of a tester This is Sound Tracking on Real Rebels Radio with John Flannery.
wheels turning Some of the leaves are turning brown Coming to gather you Gathering cherries off of the ground The day glows come over you A bottle of wine and then a waterfall Gonna lead you to the dream you knew you'd do to realrebelsradio.com this is sound tracking i'm john flannery coming to you live on sunday 9th of november 2014 i got my guest stuart wright with me today so another three good tracks there stuart yeah yeah, yeah. so we got another uh, ritz ottoliani track as you as you um, previewed uh, that one's called adulteress's punishment which for anyone that's seen the film is a particularly uh, harrowing scene um and quite notorious for the film itself, I think. I think it's safe to say the UK version is is cut in, in terms of that. Then we had uh, across 110th Street, Bobby Womack, which is originally from a 1972 American crime drama film. But I'll not be too cool for school and admit that I actually discovered the film, sorry, the music from uh, Jackie Brown soundtrack. And as a result of uh, Stuart coming on here, I actually did have a look at Across 110th Street during the week. It really is a good film. Uh, Anthony Quinn's in it. Yafet Koto as well. Good standard uh, crime drama from the uh, era, really, in the uh, shadows of Dirty Harry and, again, Charlie Yarrick, all the other films that I like from that period. So a really enjoyable film to watch. And then uh, Wait wait for the Rain, uh, David Hess from Last House on the Left. In Congress, with the, the, the mood of the film, you've got this beautiful kind of haunting kind of singer-songwriter type tune. Yeah. Which sounds very early seventies. Yeah, you can imagine Jackson Brown maybe doing that. A bit more lo-fi than Jackson Brown, I suppose. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. No, really good stuff. Um, we've got another two really good tracks coming up in a second. Uh, Going to do a few announcements uh, first of all. Bethy Beadman, young singer from uh, Homerton, she was on DJ Decker's Timebox show last Wednesday, and she previewed her gig, which is coming up this Thursday at the Union Chapel in Islington, that's Thursday the 13th of November, last chance really to get in there, if you go to um, her website, bethybeadman.com and in fact musicglue.com as well, you can get tickets to the gig, £10 in advance, 12 50 on the door, hope to see you there and uh, do come along, you get an early chance as well to get the uh, Chinatown album on CD and LP not officially released until the 19th of January, and secondly the Greenhorn Film 
Film Festival takes place from the 16th to the 18th of November in Crouch End. Most of the events taking place at Lovely Art House Cinema and I've already booked for a few of the events. Notably on Monday the 17th of November where there will be a music in film panel discussion and on Tuesday the 18th at 8pm the Greenhorn Shorts that's the uh, focal point of the festival with the screening of various short films. Details on the event go to greenhornfestival.com you do have to book tickets they charge for most of those one event that they don't charge for and I'm going to is funny enough Stuart a screenwriting workshop oh, right. on Tuesday just to, to have a look I think a one hour workshop I'm not intending yet to go into that uh, area, but uh, should be quite interesting. So yes, greenhornfestival.com, uh, access to being able to book tickets. You can have a look at the events going on between the 16th and the 18th of November. And uh, again, hope to see you there. The Art House in Crouch and lovely venue to be at. One of the interesting things about that um, screenwriting workshop, Stuart Rice, is they trail it as uh, the uh, five fatal flaws in uh, screenwriting. So maybe I'll, I'll let you know about those. I don't yeah, know if, if you've come, come across those secret. so far. If there's yeah. a secret, yeah, let me know. Yeah, I will let you know. We'll play a bit more music and then we'll come back and we'll actually have a little chat about the art of screenwriting, I, I think, Stuart. That Let's have a try. We'll yeah. have a try. You're a part-time lover and a full-time friend The monkey on your back is the latest trend I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else But I'll kiss you, you on the brain in the shadow of the train I'll kiss you all starry-eyed, my body swinging from side to side I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else but here is the church and here is the steeple We sure are cute for two ugly people I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else But pebbles forgive me, the trees forgive me So why can't you forgive me? I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else but I will find my niche in your car with my MP3 DVD rumble pack guitar. I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else. But up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A start Just because we use cheats doesn't mean we're not smart I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else But you are always trying to keep it real I'm in love with how you feel I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else We both have shiny happy fits of rage You want more fans, I want more stage I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else But Don Quixote was a steel driving man My name is Adam, I'm your biggest fan I don't see what anyone can see in anyone else Squinched up your face and did a dance Shook a little turd out of the bottom of your pants 
track used on the OST to drive. And before that, we had Anyone Else But You, a brilliant track by the Mouldy Peaches, as used in the soundtrack of Juno. The choices of Stuart Wright, who's my special guest in soundtracking today. Brilliant music, Stuart. Thank you very much for uh, selecting these pieces. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we've talked about your work as a music journalist and also for Britflix.com, but your latest venture, or I say latest because you've been doing it for a few years, is screenwriting. So, Indeed. So how did that all come about, really? How did you uh, decide to go into the area of, of, of writing for film? It wasn't a major conscious decision. It was, I've always written stuff and, you know, short stories and the like and little bits of, little bits of bits and bats of stuff that isn't journalism just for my own entertainment, you know, just playing with ideas and things. And um, in 2008, I, this, is, this is not linked to filmmaking whatsoever, but it was the, it was the impetus that made, me, that made me consciously go, OK, well, why, don't, why don't I do that? Why, I, I'd never thought about film writing because I never thought somebody like, and this is meant to be trying to sound modest, but, you know, somebody like me would make films. So in 2008, I did a Masters in, in Mass Communication, and I wrote a dissertation about how you regulate the internet, which is a fairly ridiculously um, dry subject, but something I wouldn't have dreamt I could have done. But there yeah. did I presented me fifteen thousand words, whatever it was, and did really well. And just the confidence of doing that was like, well, why don't I? So I started with a little, you know, I had a, I had a little, I had a peek in, did a couple of sem- you know five week seminars and stuff, and then I was hooked basically, and I've been I've been punished ever since. Because uh, it's it's not exactly the most um, money money earning vocation to follow. So, so your your first short film was a roadie's tale. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Two thousand and ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the the, the the way to look at it is, it, uh, my mistake at first was it was writing a script was just simply the idea of writing a story in a script form, mm. whereas that's true to a degree, but there's so much more to the craft than, to that, and then there's the then there's the notion of actually making a story up, making you know, unless you're adapting somebody else's work, which you have to pay to do anyway. You have to license somebody's book. So if you're starting from scratch, then as someone that's always written about other people's work, that was the big the big leap for me was just making things up. Even though I'd done it right. in bits and you know, little like the equivalent of doodles, I'd never really done any took anything on that that big, and that was the challenge. So when I was learning how to present scripts, that's all I was doing. I was and you're very when you're doing it, you're very conscious of, of films you like and films you love. And things to emulate. It's a good place to start, but out of necessity, becomes the need to make fi- uh, short films because obviously they're, 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 they can be much more contained, obviously a lot cheaper yeah. and not so time-consuming. Because no matter which way you look at it, a feature film will be consuming. I'm quite interested. Say for a <coughs> ten or fifteen-minute short film, hmm. how many pages does your script run uh, run to? How many pages do you have to write? Well, to it's make... not it's not dogma, this, but the, the rule of thumb is, is just the page is a minute of screen time. Right. That's it, really. It's, just, it's the easy way to look at it. Some people some people seem to find that offensive these days, that you that you might say that. And and it's true. You know, there are some scripts you could read, and it'll say on, on like, a couple of lines something that will take up lots of action. Right. Whereas others will just be lots of dialogue, and that will that will run. It's true when you when you when you, when you do read a screen page and time yourself, it does seem to work out quite on average, right? About a minute a page. That's the way to look at it. So when you will see ninety page to one hundred and twenty page scripts for feature films, right? Okay, simple as that, really. Now, I, I believe Tom, you've done four screenplays for short films. Done four short films, wrote and produced them. Uh, Roddy's Tale was the first one. 
um, then out of hours, and then more recently, Tabloid Terry and Fallen. Out of Hours premiered at Raindance and got into the short film corner at Cannes, and Roddy's Tale did as well. Every time you make something, that's that's where you begin to see, begin to learn about screenwriting. Screenwriting is different from any other writing. If you write a book, you hand it to somebody, they might yeah. edit it a bit, but it's it's the finished thing. A script is just a blueprint for a movie. Right. And I don't direct, so therefore the blueprint I hand over could end up in all kinds of shape by the end of it. Well, that, that, that's true. What happens once you've handed it over? Have you ever had to do any rewrites so far, or has it just been handed on and the directors and producers said, right, fair enough, I'm going to shoot it more or less as it is? Um, well, it, it's not quite, not, it's never that literal. Um, the whole process is, is collaborative, even even in the writing. So, for example, with Fallen, I sat down with the director from the get-go. We didn't, there was nothing didn't exist, and we talked about what we'd like to do because you're not earning money from this, and, and there's not really a market for short films. So it's all about you know making something you're going to enjoy making. Um, so we came up with this idea for I think we start well we started off with the notion of we wanted to do a story that was there is a mean god, and he's doing mean things. And the more we, we more we went into it, we became more sympathetic to to religion. I think it's safe to say, even though we're still both the atheist side of agnostic. Yeah. And it was interesting. In the pro, you talk about in the process of how it changes. It wasn't so much the making of. I, we took the script to a writer's workshop, and it was read out loud, a very first draft of it. And uh, one of the people there said, "Excuse me, you don't mind me asking, are either of you two religious?" Some very proudly was, "No, no, God, no, God, no." <laughs> And they went neither of your characters, so it was almost like we had to do. I had to do a page right. one rewrite on the basis that there was us basically using the sledgehammer to crack a nut. You know, right. we weren't being very subtle, and we weren't being very true to the nature of what we were trying. It was a very serious subject, so I went away and treated it more seriously. And that's the thing; you can always be getting feedback on on the script, and that's the hard thing as well: is getting useful feedback, or as a writer being able to filter out the feedback that is no good. Because there's nothing wrong with you. If I give you a script to read and you read it and you go, well, have you, have you seen the film Hercules? Have you seen this? You know, I really mm. remind me of that. And you're like going, it's not the bloody film I'm going to make. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's, it, it's only an opinion. And if it doesn't help, ignore it. But as, as, as a fledgling writer, as, a, as I still am, you're, you're still sensitive to the idea of people criticising it or basically saying something's no good. And there's something, I, can't remember, I can't remember where I read it from, but... Uh, it doesn't matter because it's, it's fairly universal advice, is that criticism of your work is not criticism of you. Because the great thing about script is if you get feedback, it's something to learn from mm. because it's saying this isn't working. That'd be what I think. Which is quite interesting. We will play a bit more music and then we will have a brief talk about moving from short film then to your first feature-length okay. movie, Hidden Folk. Let's have a couple more great tracks, starting with Moldavia, Front 214.
You're listening to Sound Tracking with John Flannery. Stop. Well, sites are on a little bit short on time, so I've got to uh, fade that little track down. Uh, what have we been listening to in that little set? Well, both those here? both those tunes, a bit like the Spoiled by Sebado, um, were songs that I knew before I heard them in a film. So, Moldavia by Front Two Four Two is from the '91 album Tyranny for You by Front Two Four Two, and it was included to my absolute pleasure and great surprise on the film The Guest. Right. Starring um, what's it called? Downton Abbey's Dan Stevens. Right. It was one of the one of my favourites from Frightfest this year, and the Blu-ray DVD is just currently being advertised. I think it comes out end of December this year. They're, re- they're releasing it. But yeah, no, really great film. And it uses another track by Front Two Two. So there was there were two for the price of one film. Oh, cool. Whereas obviously, where, where's my mind on Fight Club? I, I, I had Surfer Rosa yeah. when it came out. So yeah. when that was on Fight Club, it was just like wow. Fits it perfectly. Pixies, always brilliant. We're beginning to run out of time, so we will have one or two more tracks, but a very brief little note about your first feature-length film that you've written the screenplay for, Hidden Folk. I mean, how, how did you move on? How did the Well, Hidden, Hidden Folk, you know, you know part, of, part of learning to screenwrite is to write screenplays. Um, and, um, and Hidden Folk was a project that came about while I was in at Cannes Film Festival. Um, while thinking of ideas for how to make a movie, not not particularly a story, and um, I had a location I could use in Norway, and and decided to exploit that for the purposes of making a film. And Hidden Folk was born. I basically dived into a book of Scandinavian folklore, read about seventy Norwegian stories, and while that was swimming around in my head, Hidden Folk popped out. Brilliant stuff. 
Um, so you've completed the screenplay on Yeah, that no, I, I mean, I, I say it like I wrote, I wrote what's called a one-sheet, which is like a page summary, then an 11-page treatment of the story before I wrote the screenplay. And in, during that period, I was able to connect with a guy called Petter Olsen, who's a producer over in Norway, who was interested to be involved, and with Johnny Kevorkian, who's right. now officially attached to direct the movie. Plus, all the while, I was in conversation with Ashley Horner at Pinball Films until a certain point where he then became officially yeah. kind of the producer of the movie. So I've written, probably I've rewritten it about five or six times in, in, in some senses or another. From my point of view, uh, for many people, it'll be the first time they read it. And it's out there with people trying to uh, get them to be involved with the film and, and maybe back the film in terms of finance and stuff. Okay, well, I wish you the best with all of that, Stuart. And it's all fingers and toes yeah. crossed and everything, but, you know. No, I really, really hope so. So uh, we're going to finish up in a few minutes, but first of all, we're going to have a uh, track with a little bit of a, a, a difference, I think. <laughs>
got his ears on, he's hot on the trail, but he ain't gonna rest till you're in jail. So you got to dodge him, you got to duck him, you got to keep that diesel trucking. Just put the hammer down and give it hell. Eastbound down, load it up and truck it. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? Another great track, Stuart. What was that one? It was uh, the theme from Smoking the Bandit, which, for all for all the films that I might have watched that would have that I would claim to be, you know, part of my film watching canon that make me cool and whatever, Smoking the Bandit is a film I watched tons of times. That and Time Bandits are probably two of the film reasons why I want to make films, which would seem odd. And also, when I think about it now, that that's probably the earliest kind of being conscious of a film soundtrack, really, in my head. Most of my generation probably would have been conscious of Star Wars, but not I. Well, it's been uh, fantastic stuff, Stuart. It's gone so quickly. Yeah, yeah, it? no, pleasure. No time pleasure. at all. Um, do come back sometime. Yeah, sure. Um, so, at the moment, you're still doing stuff for Britflix.com. Yeah, 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 I'm doing Britflix.com. So, if anyone wants to listen to me talk, talk do what John does and interview other people, then uh, iTunes and SoundCloud... You can subscribe to Britflix.com podcast or you can follow me at Leighton Rocks or follow at Britflix on Twitter and we always tweet out the, the link every week when it's out. Um, I've got a short film called Fallen, which I talked about in, during the show. That's been selected for two film festivals, so if anybody happens to be <laughs> in New York on the weekend the 16th, 17th of January or in uh, Oslo, because bizarrely both the same weekend uh, we're showing at Oslo Fright Fest and it's showing at Macabre Fair Film Festival in New York which is really exciting because they're the first two that picked us we are your local global community station Indeed. so we do transmit across the world so if you're in either in those locations <laughs> watch out and do come and uh, uh, see the film well thanks very much Stuart it's been absolutely brilliant one more track from you I'll come back to you in a sec mm-hmm. the December edition of Soundtracking will be here on realrebelsradio.com on Sunday the 14th of December from 2pm I'll have Daniel Theo from London Fields Film Festival that was held recently he'll be talking about the event Kate Lavelle social filmmaker will be interviewing her and Emma Louise Williams talking about her film Under the Cranes Homage to Hackney do listen again at mixcloud.com slash flanners2013 and on the archive page of the Real Rebels website. Don't forget the Easy Hour, by the way. I've just uh, popped some more episodes into the uh, computer, so that continues on certain nights of the week on Real Rebels Radio through the night to uh, easy through. Thank you very much again, Stuart. you got one more track. Yeah, well, uh, in keeping with this Cliff Martinez bias, we've got one fight uh, from the Only God Forgive soundtrack. And it is just, it's, it's the closing, sort of part of the closing part of the film. Thank you very much.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that little detour away from the usual Britflix.com podcast format. And um, normal service will resume next week. Thank you. If you don't already subscribe to Britflix, just sign up for free at iTunes. And you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at Britflix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.